0: the start of the year, we'll see many people uh, renewing and reorganizing their lives, Uh, the ticking over of the calendar. It's really kind of an arbitrary trigger, but it's a good thing to step back and take stock of your life, uh, to see where you've drifted from what's important to you, uh, to see what new things uh, you want to build into your life. So why don't we take a few moments to think about what is essential to the Christian life? As you launch out into 2023, what course corrections are you going to make as a Christian? And what, what new territory do you want to explore in your Christian life? Let's start with the basics. What is a Christian? What makes you a Christian? Well, Christians believe certain things. Things like they believe in the God who made the world and made us. They know that sin has entered into the world and that we are rebels before a holy God. they trust that Jesus' life and death and resurrection has paid the penalty for our moral and spiritual debt so that we are rescued from God's judgment? These are the kinds of things that make up the body of truth that Christians affirm. But there's more to being a Christian than just what you believe. Being a Christian will change the things that you do the way you act, your behavior. So in response to what Jesus has done, Christians will stop stealing and telling lies. Christians will build uh, faithful marriages. Christians will try to fix broken relationships and forgive those who've wronged them. Christians will be generous with their money and sharing of their possessions. These are the kinds of things that, that make up the pattern of the Christian life that the Bible points us to. So that a a Christian is someone who believes and trusts certain truths about God and Jesus and the work of the cross and and someone who consequently obeys the Bible's instructions in terms of our actions and our behaviours. Is that all that's needed for someone to be a Christian? What about our emotions? Are certain emotions... Are there certain certain emotions that we need to feel in order to be a Christian? Are there certain emotions that would disqualify us from being a Christian? Uh, Many decades ago, a university student ministry created a little booklet with a picture of a steam train. Uh, The train engine is fact. The facts, the truth about Christ. And the coal car is faith the actions taken in response to the truth about Christ. And then the engine, the coal car is pulling a carriage and the carriage is called feelings. And the explanation in the little booklet, the train will run with or without the carriage. However, it would be futile to pull the train by the carriage. In other words, feelings aren't essential and they certainly shouldn't drive our lives. What are the feelings that the train of Christian living can run without? Physical reactions, laughing, smiling, sweaty palms, involuntary laughter, high blood pressure, a raised voice. Those physiological responses, most people don't think of those as feelings. Feelings for us normally include things like gratitude and hope and joy and contentment and peacefulness and desire and compassion and fear and hate and anger. Those are the sorts of things that we call feelings. And in fact, the Bible doesn't dismiss feelings. No, rather the right feelings, changed feelings, are essential to the true Christian life. See, when a person becomes a Christian... It is a supernatural, radical thing. Their heart is changed. And the evidence of that change is not just new decisions based on new truth or just new actions, new behavior, but new affections, new feelings, new emotions. The Apostle Paul says that those who go on in the same old way of hostility, jealousy, rage... Envy will not enter the kingdom of God, Galatians 5. Now those are all feelings, and the apostle says those feelings, those emotions, they must change. Those are the kinds of emotions that are incompatible with being a Christian. And a person won't get to heaven without a new set of emotions. In fact, Christians are commanded to have God-honoring feelings. We're commanded to feel joy, Philippians 4, hope, Psalm 42, fear, Luke 12, peace, Colossians 3, grief, Romans 12, compassion, Ephesians 4, brokenness and contrition, James 4, emotions like gratitude and love, they are not optional for the Christian life. Uh, the train engine is not heading for heaven if it is not followed by a faith that treasures Christ and it's not pulling a carriage loaded with imperfect but new affections and emotions. What the gospel does to the life of a believer is restore someone to being fully human in their intellect, in their thinking, in their will, and their actions, and their choosing, in their body and in their emotions you are a whole person as a Christian. As we launch out into 2023, as you take stock of your Christian life, what place are you giving to godly emotions, feelings that mesh with your Christian life? Now, one of the reasons to look at the Psalms is that they help us not only with the facts of the faith, but also the feelings of the Christian life. And in Psalm 34... We get to hear and see the testimony of someone whose life resonates with the emotions of praise and joy for God's kindness to them. Uh, Psalm 34 uh, has an introduction. Uh, It's there in italics, and it's part of the biblical text. It's not just added by the editors, Uh, and we're given a context, a background. It says, of David. uh, When he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, And he left. Uh, We have a historical context uh, for this incident. And the details come in 1 Samuel 21. And we see there uh, David was fearful for his life. And then we have the emotional context uh, as David reflects on what happened to him. And that's recorded here in Psalm 34. And then uh, for Christian believers, the Apostle Peter uses this psalm to urge and encourage christians to live in a godly pattern of life now what i want to do this morning is look at those three look at 1 samuel 21 psalm 34 1 peter 3 and to see the emotional energy that is on display so that we will be encouraged and strengthened so let's uh, you can either stick a finger there or we'll come back to it but we're turning to 1 samuel 21 uh verse 10 page 294 uh, the situation uh, in 1 Samuel is that the Israelites have asked the Lord to give them a king, uh, like all the other nations. 1 Samuel 21 is what you're heading for. And they got uh, Saul. Uh, but Saul proved to be a disobedient king. So the Lord uh, has marked out David as Saul's replacement. But for the time being, Saul is still king. And he hates his anointed successor, successor David. So Saul is hunting for David, in order to kill him, so David decides. Look, the safest place for me to be is among the enemies of Israel. Saul won't be able to get him there. And we pick up the story in one Samuel twelve. Uh, sorry, one twenty one, verse ten, page two hundred ninety four, verse ten. The day that day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. Uh, Gath is a city in the land of the Philistines. Gath was the hometown of Goliath the giant soldier that David killed. Verse 11, But the servants of Achish they said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul is slain his thousands, and David is tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he feigned insanity in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate, letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look at the man, he's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? And David is sent away by the Philistines, unharmed. Now, it'd be quite easy to kind of just sort of move past the real human anguish here. It's easy to treat famous Bible people like cartoon characters. We see the action, but we miss the feelings. We see David dribbling out the side of his mouth, but we miss that he was very much afraid. We see the happy ending, but we miss the cost of the emotional roller coaster. David is running for his life. He's in a foreign land, in a strange culture. He is alone among sworn enemies. Uh, He's threatened with violence and death. No wonder he's very much afraid. And yet he escaped. And we're going to see in Psalm 34 that, that David prayed for the Lord to rescue him. And what we see in 1 Samuel passage is... A bit of insanity, a bit of madness, some marks on the door, some slobber on his beard. That's the, res- and that results in freedom. And it'd be tempting if you just read the one Samuel passage, think, oh, that's, it's all down to him and his smart idea. But Psalm 34 tells us no, David was praying. So there is David's prayer and the little drama that David did. And it's those two things together that see David being rescued. We don't need to treat them as opposites or opposed. Either we act or we pray. No, no, we pray and act. We act and pray. They aren't to be separated. No, David prayed, and God answered, it seems, through David's little madness drama. It's not hard to imagine the elation of David Uh, the relief, the delight at getting away. And because of Psalm 34, we don't need to imagine. David tells us himself. So let's go back to Psalm 34, page 561. Uh, As the title to the psalm uh, tells us, this psalm is David reflecting back on that incident in 1 Samuel and drawing together his thoughts and shaping them for the encouragement of God's people. Uh, Now if you look at the bottom of the page you'll see uh, there's a little footnote it says this psalm is an acrostic poem the verses of which begin with successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. That is each verse begins with the equivalent letter of the first verse would be beginning with the letter A and the second verse would begin with the letter B and the third verse would begin with the letter C and so on. It's it's choosing the right words to structure and shape this, this song, this poem. It's a technique that, in a sense, that the, the psalmist is, says, I'm covering the subject from A to Z. I'm telling you everything you need to know about this. And no doubt there would have been some Hebrew rhythm and rhyme, but all that gets lost in the translation to English. In other words, Psalm 34 has been consciously prepared it's been arranged and organized it's shaped and designed for publication for the benefit of the people of god and now the general movement of the psalm verses one through three there's an invitation the reader is invited to join david in praising and honoring god verses four through seven david giving his personal testimony of god answering his prayers that's why david is stirred to praise Uh, Verses 8 through 14, there's an offer to the reader. They have the opportunity to have their own experience of God's goodness. Taste and see for yourself. If you come with reverential fear and a desire to turn from evil and do good, you will be stirred to praise. Uh, Verses 15 through 18 tell us that it doesn't matter how difficult your predicament or how dark your path, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. No matter how deep the hole, the Lord can rescue you from it. And verses 19 to 22 close with a call for confidence in the Lord. There will be troubles even for the righteous. But the Lord rescues those who take refuge in him. So, 1 Samuel 21, we see David's situation. But through Psalm 34, we're given a window into David's soul. In the despair of his fears, David sought the Lord. This poor man called out, the righteous man cried out, and the Lord answered him. The Lord heard him. The Lord delivered him. And through Psalm 34, David says, that could be your experience too. David's encounter of emotional joy comes from knowing that he's been rescued. The dark night of fearful predicament turned into bright dawn of joyful salvation. And it's that contrast between the dark and the light, between lost and found, the change from one to the other. That's where the joy for God comes from. And you can work backwards. See, our level of joy in God, our emotional experience of God, is an x-ray into our perception of, Of what God has done for us. If we find ourselves to be people of little joy, small rejoicing, tiny, puny praise, it'll be because we haven't grasped the dimensions of our lostness, nor the dimensions of God's love for us in Christ. And if we want to uh, grow our joy, if we want to feel more, then we need to come again and see the darkness the depravity of our souls, the darkness of our minds, and gaze intently on the generosity and the compassion of Christ's death for us. The gospel is the fuel which feeds the affections and the emotions of our heart. And if your heart is cold, then stoke the embers with the promises and provision of Christ. And David uh, has very much penned this psalm with the desire that other people would experience the same joy, the same enthusiasm, the same emotion that he experienced. In fact, he challenges people to put God to the test. In your moment of despair and darkness, you go to him, you call out, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the person who takes refuge in him. So in Psalm 34, David is reflecting on a dangerous and terrifying moment in his life remembering how he he prayed and he called out to the Lord and how he was rescued and how he was saved. And he wants other people to have that same experience of being rescued by the Lord, that same experience that stirs them to emotional praise and thanksgiving to a living God. You see, that's what we're doing when we gather as a church and we sing. We are singing truth, to remind our hearts so that we will feel. Congregational singing is emotional training. We are learning to feel the right way before God. So don't think we're just sort of padding out the service and filling in time. We are doing something very important when we sing. You are trying to train your own heart to feel the way God wants you to feel. Just like you're training your mind to think in a new way, just like you're training your will to obey in a new way, you are training your emotions to feel in a new way. So come Sunday by Sunday with that goal in mind. Well, the Apostle Peter, he picks up Psalm 34 and applies it to Christians. So turn with me, 1 Peter 3 page 1219. 1 Peter 3, verse 8, 1219. Uh, The letter from the Apostle Peter to some early Christians, it's a call for them to persevere in the face of antagonism and opposition from the world around them. Uh, Peter urges Christians to think of themselves as foreigners and exiles in this world as we wait for our true home, the world that is to come. And while we wait, we are to live good and godly lives that point people to the Lord. And so verse 8, 1 Peter 3, 1219, verse 8, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing for, and here he goes and quotes from Psalm 34, Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? And even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Peter is warning Christian people to be ready for hardship and hostility. It will come. It may come in the form of insults or evil actions, and if it does, don't retaliate. Just repay evil with blessing. You may be intimidated with threats of violence, but who's going to harm you if you want to do good? And even if there's harm coming your way, be prepared to suffer for doing the right thing. Don't fear them. Don't be frightened. Remember Psalm 34, says Peter. Remember the testimony of David. He was alone, surrounded by enemies. He was fearful and frightened. He was threatened and intimidated, and he prayed. David called out to the Lord, and he was heard. And you, Christian, when you feel vulnerable and challenged because of your faith in Christ, when you you feel exposed or abused because of your hope in Jesus, when you feel isolated or mocked for your trust in the Lord. Don't don't lash out. Don't fight back. Don't return insult for insult. In other words, don't respond in the wrong emotional way. Instead, pray. Call out to the Lord, even from within your emotional fear and anxiety and worry, turn to him. Hope in him. Trust in him. It's important to see that the Lord's people are not in any way guaranteed a trouble-free life. 1 Samuel 21, there is David, God's special man, running away from Saul, crossing the border. It just seems to get worse, not better. Psalm 34, David seeks to give hope to those who are broken-hearted and crushed in spirit. How did those people get broken-hearted and crushed in spirit? And 1 Peter the promise for Christians is not smooth sailing and calm waters, in fact, quite the reverse. The movement in all three of our Bible passages this morning is of God's people finding themselves in hardship and hostility through no fault of their own. They find themselves in testing and trying situations, circumstances that cause them to feel anxious or worried or fearful or frightened. And in that moment, they had to call out to the Lord, they're to pray, they're to ask for rescue. Now, it seems that that's the normal pattern for the Christian life, to be rescued by the Lord. We start the Christian life learning that our God is a saviour, who we are to call out to, who trust in, to ask for forgiveness from. But more than that, the, the ongoing pattern of the Christian life is discovering again and again our God is a saviour, who we call out to, who we trust in. And time after time, in little or large ways, he rescues us, he restores us, he renews us, he refreshes us. It's a training exercise. As I said before, yes, in right thinking, choosing to go to the Lord, right actions, praying and asking, but also feeling right emotions. When the pressure is to feel Anxious or worried or fearful or angry or hostile. Please respond with the right emotion. Experience the right emotion. It should be our default action, our reflex, to turn to the Lord whenever we face difficulty. It should be the automatic setting of our hearts, the natural inclination of our affections whenever we face anxious times. The Lord is with us. The Lord is for us. I don't know how the situation will be resolved, but I trust him. He hears me. He has it all in hand. He is dependable. In fact, I don't even need to wait for the trial to be over before I give him praise and honor and glory. See, that is the Christian life, the experience of joy, even in the midst of trial. My situation doesn't need to define my Christian emotional status. God can do that for me. Even in the midst of trouble, I can uh, know that I turn to him with gratitude in my heart and thankfulness on my lips. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. For 2023... Will you work on your Christian emotional response? Being shaped by the gospel to feel what God wants you to feel. To live with your heart, mind, body, soul, all for the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we want to give you thanks and praise. You are a great God. A God who knows joy who shows compassion and mercy. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. We're thankful that we have a God who knows what we feel and knows how we need to feel. So meet our needs in the year ahead, shape our hearts, train them so that they feel and We respond with the right and good godly emotions. Help us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.